Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. We know that that is, that is the truth. If you have your copy of God's Word this morning, you'll turn to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 18. And uh, this morning, I just want to speak uh, this morning a little bit candidly with you. Um, you know, uh, just want to talk a little bit. We've been in a series on the days ahead, and I've actually been preaching out the book of Revelation. And, uh, but this morning, I, I have a word. The Lord began to deal with me about something yesterday, and I just began. Uh, there's a passage of Scripture that got on my heart that I couldn't get away from, and I just want to share that with you for a few minutes this morning. But I want to talk a little bit about the days ahead. I want to title this message this morning, Letters Are Coming. And you'll know what that means in just a few minutes. But uh, the coming days ahead. You know, it, it's amazing. I think that the, what the COVID-19 and the quarantining and the lockdown, uh, that all that has gone on this past year, uh, I believe there's something, a deeper meaning to that than just what we've gone through in 2020. And uh, I believe that during this pandemic that this is somewhat of a rehearsal of what is some of the coming days that might be ahead. And, uh, and uh, the question is, what have we learned after a year? What has God taught us during this year? And what is he teaching us right now as the church? And uh, I, I personally, this is my personal opinion, and this is what I feel in my spirit. I, I, you know, this is just a personal opinion. There's no... Um, I believe that there is a wave of persecution that is still yet to come to the church uh, before God's final revival upon this nation. I do believe God's sending a renewal to this nation. I do believe revival will come. And I do believe it's coming. But I do believe also that there is a wave of persecution that is coming uh, to this nation uh, in likes that we have not yet seen yet. And I believe that it will be coming. You know, yesterday, a few of my pastor friends and uh, some of them were in Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, they were there for a gathering in Frankfort to stand against some of the lockdowns and restrictions on businesses and on churches and on Christian schools. Uh, lately, uh, I think the state of Kentucky has tried to ban in-person uh, schools for Christian schools. And of course, you know the restrictions that have been placed upon businesses some businesses are actually going out of business, and people are losing their livelihood. And so many pastor friends were there yesterday. I wanted to go. I just wasn't able to go. I just uh, you didn't have a chance to get over there. I wanted to be over there to stand with them and be with them yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to. Uh, but they had a good gathering there yesterday. Second Kings chapter 18 is where we'll be this morning. Um, David Wilkerson one time was asked one time, uh, he was asked, Brother Wilkinson, when you preach prophetic messages around the world, um, you seem to speak from Old Testament scriptures. Uh, why do you do that? Uh, David Wilkerson was asked, why, why do you, sometimes when you speak prophetically, why do you speak from Old Testament passages? And David Wilkerson's response was, is that many times he says, I believe that Old Testament prophecies... Uh, are for a specific people at a specific time, he said, but many Old Testament prophecies, I believe, uh, have dual prophecies. They're present, but they're also future fulfillment. 
And so the second thing he said was, is that history is cyclical and man's sin sins the same way over and over again over centuries. In other words, man knows how to sin. History is cyclical because sin is predictable. And so that's, that's mankind. And so uh, sin doesn't offer man anything new this morning. It's the same over and over and over again. G. Campbell Morgan said it like this, Nothing can happen today which the truth of God has not, has not something to say about it. And that is true. Sin is reciprocal. We see over generation, over generation, man continues to repeat the same sins that he's always repeated. Even today, God has something to say to, say to us uh, as the people of God about all that's going on in our world. Even today, God has a word for us. Amen? Then 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19, I want you to go there. There's a passage of scripture here uh, that I want to draw your attention to. And the meaning of this story that we're going to look at this morning in scripture is that the Assyrians um, has just conquered Israel. They had been used as God's tool against Israel. God had raised the Assyrians up to come against Israel. They've been used as God's tool. And now they are turning on Judah. And Isaiah 10.5 uh, prophesies uh, this and says, Woe to the Assyrians, the rod of my anger, the uh, staff in whose hands is my indignation, I'm going to use. I'm going to use this. Uh, I'm going to use this uh, against 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 this nation, and God used it to discipline the children of Israel. Second Kings chapter eighteen. Let's look at verse. Uh, let's begin looking at verse uh, verse eleven. Start with verse eleven, and it says, "And then the king of Assyria carried Israel away to captivity to Assyria." And put them in Halah by the harbor, the river of Gozon, and in the cities of the Medes. And so, because they, in, the, in verse 11 and 12, or verse 12 tells us that because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, and they would neither hear nor do them. In other words, the Assyrians became... Uh, they, they, they were the tool which God used to bring judgment upon Israel, and it was because they did not obey the voice of God. Their disobedience allowed God to use Syria to bring judgment on them, but what happened was Assyria began to become arrogant, and now uh, they began to think, well, if we won here, then we can also win anywhere. If we can defeat Israel now, then we can win anywhere. And the Assyrians turned toward Judah to capture it uh, like they did Israel. In other words, they felt that since they had captured Israel, now they can turn towards Judah. And just as they captured Israel, they can also capture Judah. And so they turned toward them. And so, and then in 2 Kings verse 13, we see one of the great kings of the Old Testament. Uh, we call him a revival king. King Hezekiah, uh, who, is, who is now in the crosshairs 
of the Assyrians um, because of the godly, because of his godly and right, uh, because he was a godly and righteous man that he is. The Assyrians now turned upon him. A.W. Tozer says this: To be right with God often means to be in trouble with man. In other words, a side note: the Assyrians, when they when they turn towards Judah, they're trying to play God. Though, though God allowed the Assyrians to come against Israel, now they've turned to Judah on their own. And because of that, now they are playing God. They are playing God. And we all know that God's chastisement towards Judah will come later through Babylon for some reason, uh, for the same reason that Israel was judged because they didn't obey the voice of the Lord. We know that Judah's uh, judgment was coming later. But we, we know that the prophecy of Jeremiah 25 uh, prophesied that Babylon would be, would be God's tool against Judah like the Assyrians was against Israel. But Hezekiah does something when, when Assyria comes toward him. And, and I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do or not the right thing to do. Um, I'm leaning toward that it wasn't. But Hezekiah did something. Hezekiah tries to pay them off to keep them at bay. In other words, he tries to pay them off. Uh, we can look in verse, uh, uh, look at verse 13. It says, and, and in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Verse 14, and Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 300 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. So Hezekiah tries to pay off uh, to keep them at bay. He tries to pay the enemy off. And uh, we, we read that in verses 14 through 16. G. Campbell Morgan said, The reason why men don't look to the church uh, today is that, is that is that he has destroyed his own influence by compromise. There are hours when the church must say no to those, to those uh, who, would, who would ask communion with her in that doing her work upon the basis of compromise. Hezekiah was compromising with Assyria. And now, and now Assyria, now, now that he's paying them off, now they got him where they want him. And so, verse 17, the Bible tells us, And then king of Assyria sent uh, Tartan and uh, Rab Rab Rabasaurus and uh, Rabashak from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to, to king Hezekiah. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they come up, they went and stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. And so now Assyria began to, uh, now they've come against Israel, but if you read in verses 19 and further, you'll begin to see that not only 
did they start playing God, now all of a sudden, now they begin to mock God. They begin to mock God. Now the Assyrians begin to mock God. In verses 25, uh, you begin to see, Have I now come up with the Lord against the place to destroy it? And the Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. And uh, as you read down through there, you will see in verse 30, Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Verse 32, Until I come, take you away to a land uh, like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. In other words, they came up against, they began to mock God. The Assyrians uh, had crossed the line with God. So now they had took out Israel. Now they've turned on Judah. And, and, and now they are starting to play God. But now, now because Hezekiah is not surrendering, now they're beginning to mock God and mock Hezekiah. And, and saying, do not listen to him, for when he comes up and begins to say to you that God will deliver, deliver you, do not believe him because that is not what is going to happen. And so Hezekiah instructs his people and he says in verse 36, but the people held their, held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king command, command was, do not answer him, do not respond to him, do not respond to King Hezekiah. And so, and then all of a sudden, in 2 Kings chapter 19, and beginning in verses 10 and 11, I want to read this to you. What happens now, what happens is, now Sirachariv, the king of Assyria, sends letters to Hezekiah. And this is the content of these letters in verse 10. Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be gotten into the hands of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard that the king, kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and you, destroying them, and shall you be delivered? And then in verse 14, And Hezekiah received the letters from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And so Hezekiah received these letters. He had received these letters from the king and to surrender. And these letters, I believe uh, he sent these letters. And because you have, uh, as he is, as, just as Assyria won over Israel, now he's coming against Judah. And so what we see here is now, now Assyria has sent a proclamation or letters to King Hezekiah, uh, and these are conditions. These are conditions of surrender. These are conditions of what is going to happen. And I believe that this is a picture. I believe this is a picture of what may be happening in the future, in, in our future, as the church. I believe that there might be letters that are coming. I believe that there might be churches uh, uh, in different parts of our country that are struggling right now, that are having difficult times right now. 
And there may be letters that are coming. There may be letters in the future that come that address the way we preach, that may address who we have on staff or who we hire or even to whom we marry. There may be letters that are coming. There may be today, <coughs> today uh, we, are, we have challenges in the church. Today, challenges are coming to the church. And, and I believe that there is a uh, letters that are coming that are going to challenge our stand where we are as the church. I believe that there, there's going to be uh, uh, things that the government in the future may try to do in order to restrict and control the church and the body of Christ. I believe those days of persecution might be coming. I believe they may be on their way. We know a vaccine is coming, right? Thank God for that. And we know that masks will go away. We're starting to see barricades and boarded up stores uh, now are being, the fronts are being pulled down. Protests have calmed down for the moment. But there's a new storm that is coming to attack the church. And when everything begins to go back to normal, the church will be the target. I'm just telling you, the church will be the target. And so I talked to a pastor friend yesterday who was at the rally. I talked to him in the afternoon, and he, and he was telling me how the rally went and everything. But he said there was a, there was a legislator uh, that's part of the, the General Assembly of the state of Kentucky that had told him that he had heard that there is a council of governors that are getting together that have been really upset about the recent Supreme Court decisions uh, that have been made and about the way the religious community has responded to uh, potential lockdowns. And he said that there is going to be a council of governors that are going to begin uh, to make laws and restrictions on the churches in the coming days. In other words, they're going to come against those who preach Jesus, those who stand for righteousness and right living. There will be letters that will be coming. And the devil doesn't, doesn't persecute those who aren't, who aren't are making a godly difference to, in the world. You start with, I believe it's going to start with people that are in high places. They're going to start monitoring some of the platforms that Christianity has whether it be on social media or whether it be uh, through media outlets, that they're going to begin to challenge those platforms and begin to pull down and take off and, and to tear away and beginning to try to destroy the voice of the church in this hour. Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, if a Christian is not having tribulation in the world, there's something wrong. And the Assyrians and its leaders didn't just come after Judah, but they also bullied Judah until God showed up. And so the church is not far behind from being in the crosshairs of this day, in this hour, because who knows what will happen. They may revoke our 501c3. We have no idea. Take away tax exempts from the churches. Take away things that uh, begin to monitor sermons, begin to speak against uh, all of a sudden, when you speak against sin in the pulpit, all of a sudden now, that might become a hate crime. Because there are certain things you can say now that is a hate crime. Who knows what they'll do. And if you refuse to obey, they may come and chain your doors. We have no idea. The apologist O.S. Genis said it like this. Today 
it is worse to judge evil than it is to do evil. And I believe he's right. Let me say that again. Today, it is worse to judge evil than it is to do evil. It's not God bless the United States, but God please help the United States this morning. And so what we're beginning to see is we may see a future that may not be the future that we think is coming. The church may be displaced like never before. There may be challenges that we have. And I believe that these lockdowns and these moments, this hour that we're in, these are moments for the church for preparation for those days. We have no idea what's ahead. But I do believe that something's coming. And I do believe that we as the church are going to have to be stronger than ever before. And this is an hour of preparation. This is an hour to prepare whether God is sending revival or persecution. Regardless, the church has to be prepared. But I want to give you a couple of things this morning that came to my heart to uh, challenge you this morning. A couple of things. Number one, I want to give you a challenge. First of all, there's a challenge. And the challenge is, it's time to pray. Would you not agree it's time to pray? In the midst of the fight and persecution, there will be a praying church that, with, that will find its voice again, not through politics or a candidate, but on their knees with God. Charles Stanley says this, he says, the shortest distance between a problem and a solution is the distance between your knees and the floor. You know, a recent study said that our culture is obsessed with our phones. Do you all believe that? <laughs> says that our culture is obsessed with our phones. That, the, that most people will swipe or look at or, or text no more than 2,500 times a day. The most, they say 5,400 times a day. And at best, 2 million times a year, we become obsessed with our phones. <laughs> That's a lot of texting and swiping, is it not? He stands best is he who kneels most. He who stands strongest is he who kneels first. He who stands longest is he who kneels the lowest. Bent knees meant strong back, means strong backs. The most powerful position on the earth is kneeling before the Lord of the universe. That's our most powerful position. Prayer is our acknowledgement we need God. Is that not right? It's not prayer, acknowledgement that we need God. Ravenhill said, a man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated by man. God is going to teach us to raise our voices, not just in rallies and marches and festivals, but also on our knees. In 2 Kings chapter 19, Hezekiah gives us the example. And Hezekiah gives us this example of how we are to respond and what we are to do. In chapter 18, he tries to pay off the Assyrians. And it doesn't work. And so the people are like, what do we do now? We don't know what to do. But the king knows what to do. The letters are coming. So... The letters are coming, and when they do, the church doesn't just need 
to have theology or to have a theology but to be but neology. We need to know how to pray. The more we pray, the less we will say. Let God do our talking for us. When Hezekiah told the people to be quiet, he was, letting, he was getting ready to talk to God about these letters that were sent. And we see that in chapter 19, when these letters are sent, we see what Hezekiah does with them in verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letters from the hand of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherub, you are God, you are God alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. In other words, he brought them before God. He laid them out before God. He spread them out before God. And then he prayed. How many know that's a good strategy? He brought those letters and brought them before God. He led them out. And he began to pray. And he prayed. In verse 20, he gets a prophecy for Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah saying, Thus say the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, I have heard. Isn't that good? This is a word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. Listen, if there's anything we need to do in this hour that the challenge is, is that we need to be on our knees in prayer. That we need to be pouring out before God. We need to be laying out before God and to seek God. And Isaiah told Hezekiah, he said, because you have prayed to me, because you have prayed to me. How many know that's a, that's a good affirmation? How many knows that, that when you go before God, if you pray before God, God will work if we will pray. We will pray, God will stand in the gap. God will show up when we pray. What happens? What happened was is that God began to fight when the people slept. God stood in the gap. God stood in the gap. My grandmother used to say, turn your worries over to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. <laughs> Hezekiah, the payoff didn't work. Dialogue didn't work, but when he prayed to God, God went into action. God went into action. Look at verses 35 through 37. What, what did God do? What happened? The Bible says, and it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people rose early in the morning, there were the corpse all dead. They were all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away and returned home and remained at Nineveh. In other words, while they slept, God worked. Isn't it good to know that your prayers, when you pray, even while you sleep, God's working. And the challenge is, it's time to pray. The challenge is, is it's time to pray. Secondly, this morning I want to give you, is an admonition. It's an admonition, it is time to stand. Not only just the time to pray, but it's time to stand. Eugene Peterson, the author of the Message Bible, he said at his lowest, at his lowest time in his life, but, at a, but his lowest time in his life was also his most popular time in ministry. Uh, he realized this. He said, I realized that my outside became bigger than what's going on on the inside. 
And the church has grown on the outside. We know that. The church has increased. But the truth is, has people grown on the inside? And the admonition is, it's time to stand. It's time for the church to begin to grow, not just on the outside, but on the inside. The compromising church will no longer have a voice when the letters start coming. When the letters start coming, a compromising church will not be able to stand. Will not be able to stand. When I first became a Christian and I would go hear sermons, I would write good things that I heard from preachers on the inside of my Bible. I would write the quote and who said it and what they said. I had this quote in my Bible that I read uh, that I found that said, the basic principle is that you don't make decisions because... They are easy. You don't make decisions because they are cheap. You don't make decisions because they're popular. You make decisions because they're right. Pastor Cletty Keith. I wrote that in my Bible in 1990. It's amazing. In other words, be careful of people or preachers who promote, preach, post, and popularize. I want you to understand this statement. The lawful instead of challenging people to be profitable. I want to say that again. Be careful of people or preachers who promote or preach or post and popularize the lawful instead of of challenging people to be profitable. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says this, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but... But will it not be, but I will not be master, mastered by anything. That's the Apostle Paul. Lawful things. Just because I can do them doesn't mean I should do them. In other words, what is, what is being said here? What is being said is that we all uh, have the right to do certain things, but how profitable is it to do certain things? What is, what is lawful? I mean, just because it's lawful doesn't mean that it's profitable. Paul, Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. In other words, he, and then he says, I will not be mastered by any. In other words, what he's saying, there are certain things I can do, but I don't do them because they're not profitable to the ministry. They're not profitable to the kingdom of God. And I believe that in the last days and in these days to come, when letters start coming, it's a time to stand There are certain things that we as the church can no longer compromise in this hour. We have to do those things which are profitable to the church and profitable to the kingdom of God. Why is doing what is lawful so dangerous? Because lawful, the lawful never inspires holiness or purity in people's lives. The lawful never distinguishes and differentiates you. The lawful never is sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice. The question that's always asked is of me, is it a sin when the question should be, does it please God? In other words, though you have a right to do it, and though you can do it, the question is, does it please God? Does it bring glory to God? And so, and controversial issues in the body of Christ, I'm always at, is it a sin? Explain to me, is this a sin? And so we should be asking, does it really please God?
I saw a Charlie Brown cartoon. I don't know if you all like Charlie Brown, the uh, Peanuts thing, but uh, I love them, and every time I see them, I read them. But I saw a Charlie Brown cartoon where Charlie Brown uh, was sitting there, and Snoopy was sitting next to him, and Charlie Brown said, Snoopy, many, many, many pray for God to heal our nation, but I still think he wants us to be people that are humble, uh, to be people, he still wants people to humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked ways. And Snoopy, looking at Charlie Brown, said, amen. I'm with Snoopy this morning, amen. We need to not just humble ourselves, but pray, but turn from our wicked ways if we want God to turn our land. And finally, this morning, not only is there an admonition, not only do we need to start praying, the challenge to start praying, not only is there an admonition to stand, but thirdly, a warning, a warning to the church this morning. It's time to wake up. To redefine what God says in his word is to undermine his authority. When we begin to redefine what God says in his word, we are beginning to undermine his authority. Paul in Ephesians 2, verse 2, this is the message. He says, you let the world which doesn't know, which doesn't know the first thing about living right tell you how to live right. I think Paul got it. Only God knows the life, how life really works. How many know God is our source this morning? God is the one who, who knows how life is the work. You know, Psalms, turn to Psalms 82 as we get closer to closing this morning. Psalms 82, I want to read to you. I don't know about you, but I truly believe that God is the one who continues to put kings and, and men in places of authority. And we're seeing as judges are being placed in our nation. And uh, Psalms 82, if we believe God puts judges in position, Psalms 82 confirms that. We, we see that God also instructs them. We know that God sees every position of authority, every place of judgment, God sees. God sees every decision, every, 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 every decision that is made. We look in Psalms 82, and the word said, God stands in the congregation of the mighty, and he judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. And I say, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall, you shall die like men and fall like the, like the one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. How many know God is the one that judges all? God sees all judgments that are being made and all judgments that are being passed. And we are to stand in the midst. We are to wake up in the midst of this hour 
And there, God, in other words, God is giving us a warning here in Psalms 82 that we're to just rightly, that we are to show partiality. Why are we continuing to show partiality to the wicked and partiality to those who, who have no care for what God cares for? And so God warns them and instructs them. And so in the book of Acts chapter 5, we see that when the church was being persecuted, there was a warning that was given to those who were persecuting the church, and it came through the great teacher Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5, and he began to warn them. And he, in essence, what he said in Acts chapter 5 and verses 36 through 38, he says, when you fight, when you fight the work of God, you fight against God. How many know the church belongs to God this morning? And so if you fight the church, you're going to fight God. And so this is a warning to the casual Christian, to the casual pulpit, to casual preaching this morning. All of that will be sifted away. It'll be sifted away when we... The last days. Pastor Adam, if you would come. I want to read this to you in closing this morning. I have a copy of a letter that was written that was found on the desk of a pastor in Zimbabwe following his martyrdom after he was killed. He wrote this to his church when he saw his hours of death were coming. He wrote to his church. And I want to read to you what he wrote in this letter. This is what was found in his office to his church, knowing that he would be martyred. He said in his letter, he said, I am part of the fellowship of the, uns- of the, of the un- unshamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished. And done with low living, sight walking, smooth smooth knees and colorless dreams. Tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, dwarf goals. I, I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, platitudes, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean in his, in his presence. I walk by patience and am uplifted by prayer. I am, I am a labor, I am a labor, I labor power. My face is set. My my gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way rough. My companions are few. My guide, reliable. My mission, clear. I cannot be brought, bought, or compromised. Detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not... I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander 
at the pool of popularity or or Menander at the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus and I must go I must go till he comes. Give till I drop. Preach till all know. And work till he stops me. Till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. For my banner will be clear. I want that testimony this morning. I want to be able that when the letters come, that we'll be able to stand. When the letters come, I want us to wake up and understand who we need to lean upon. When the letters come, we need to come and lay before God and give God every challenge of our life. Stand with me if you would this morning. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.